Hello, welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA. It's Wednesday morning. Uh, it's a little bit late recording this week because of me. I was traveling. Uh, joining us from uh, the Bay Area, Oakland, California, is Anscape's Mark J. Spears. How's it going, Mark? Man, it's amazing. It's before 7 a.m. <laughs> for you right now. You're squeezing this in before you get to the airport, and then Andrew Lopez is going to join us on the back end. Um, so I appreciate you getting up early. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm going to go see him. Right. Yeah, you're going to New Orleans today. Yeah, yeah. So I'll see Andrew um, tonight. Actually, they play the Timberwolves. Oh, they had a back-to-back. Yeah, they, uh, they, you know, they're pretty banged up right now. They had a tight loss last night. So uh, we'll talk about that with him. But um, I wanted to give you some props because, and look, it's January. We just we're just a, a hair past midseason, but in the preseason, and then again, I think in the early season too, and I don't remember the exact dates, but definitely in the preseason, and I remember you kind of doubling down on it. You said Sacramento Kings are making the playoffs, and uh, you had reasons for this. You uh, told stories about some of the team building Mike Brown was doing. You told us about how much uh, Demata Sabonis was enjoying living there. And they got off to either an 0-4 start or a 1-4 start. And we checked back in with you, and you go, no, I'm sticking with it. And so here we are, January 25th it is right now. The Kings, who just blew the uh, Grizzlies out of the water the other night, they won 7 out of 8. Now, that jaw didn't play in that game, but um, – are in third place in the Western Conference. Actually, uh, I'm sorry, I don't have, for some reason, my standings are messed up. Uh, They are in third place in the uh, Western Conference. And they are not, you know, standings are tightly packed behind them. You know, they're not assured of anything. They've missed the playoffs 16 years in a row, so we're not going to say anything is done. But I do think that... um, it's worth pointing out that you, uh, here we go. Now I've got the active standings. They are, as of right now, third in the Western Conference, uh, two games ahead of New Orleans in fourth. And, you know, this is really the what you look at. They're three and a half games up on the play-in. Um, they're, but <clears throat> they have um, five fewer losses, basically, than the teams that are uh, inside the play-in line. So I look at it as kind of five games up. Um Good position, not home free, but Spears. Uh, the Kings are playing well. You saw this, um, and I'm going to acknowledge it right now. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just um, thanks for listening, folks. Talk yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, hey, look, <laughs> he's I, mocking uh, me by doing my Utah. No, I'm res- that's respect because you. Okay. You, that that was something you got that you saw um, in the same kind of vein, I guess, right? Um, I just remember. Well, after it's one that, thing to to have informed. It's one thing to have information and to sort of predict a transaction. It's another thing to predict breaking a sixteen year playoff drought. Yeah, and and to your point, it hasn't happened yet. But at, every once in a while, there's a trade that's great for both teams, and I remember tweeting out after the Halliburton trade that thought Sabonis was great for Sacramento. Got a lot of heat for that. People were upset, upset feelings. It happens when there's trades and people are in love with players and Halliburton's a player you should be in love with. Could be a, 
an all-star, but I just thought it was a good trade for both teams. Um, you know, uh, Fox and and Halliburton were really good together, but I think one of them needed to be with a big. Like, and and I had been a big fan of Sabonis for a while, and it was interesting. I actually became a fan of his. I saw him in college, but when I saw him play in India against the Kings, um, and he just absolutely destroyed him. And I was like, okay, this isn't the Gonzaga Sabonis that was slim and he he got his dad's body now. He's much more stronger, but he can still shoot. He sets great screens, um, rebounds well, passes well. And I just felt like that with Fox, you know, could work well. And so when they played their first game together after the trade, um, Kings won. They did play great together. And I remember Fox hugging Sabonis like magic hug Kareem after that first game. It was just like, <laughs> okay, we've just compared Sabonis and Fox to Kareem and no, magic. Okay. But just no, keep no, going. No, no. I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't compare him. I said he hugged okay, him. Okay. Like, I know. All right. I'm just having like, fun. But I'm yeah, no, fun. but go look at the video. It is like, Whoa, he's, he's really hugging this dude. Tough man. And, um, but uh, you know, I had to give Monty credit, Monty, um, the GM. Monty McNair. Monty McNair. I mean, they got, also, you know, first they, they got Keegan Murray in the draft. Then they got like some little moves that kind of went on, I think, went under the radar for a lot of people, but not for me. And um, yeah, there was a couple of things that happened. First off, they moved up slightly in the lottery to into fourth. Yeah. And then a lot of people thought that they might take Jaden Ivey and get another guard, but they believed in Keegan Murray um, and they took him. And he's been good. He's he's great in summer league, and he's he's been good this season. Good, promising future. And then they, you know, they they took advantage of a couple of other teams, like obviously uh, Fox and Sabonis are the headlines, right? Yeah. Because those guys are both possible all stars. I don't know if they'll both make it, but one of them's yeah. got to. Yeah. So that's that's where you're going to see the 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 most attention, and that's true. But then, so the, they they jumped up with Keegan Murray, but then two things happened. One. The DeJounte Murray trade happens and the yes. Hawks are now over their they're 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 too expensive, too top heavy money. They got too many perimeter players. So they basically get Kevin Herter for nothing. For a discount. He gets a first round pick, but yeah, the pick is protected and um, this is a solid two guard, you know. Right. And he's their starter now, and they didn't yeah. have to give up a a a rotation player for him. Obviously yeah. they give it the pick, but they bring that guy in. So that's a, that's an upgrade. And then um, Malik Monk, the one like he wanted to leave the Lakers or the Lakers didn't want to keep him just with the way the, you know, the Lakers had very limited rights on him and they had no cap space and they were a, a tax team. So they could only like basically pay him like 6 million bucks. And it, and it wasn't a fair foot. And keep yeah. in mind the De'Aaron Fox connection with him, you know. I don't even know that connection. Kentucky connection. They got Kentucky. Oh, Kentucky. The big, the big connection, right? Yeah. So, and yeah. So, so, so then they kind of get Monk. To Fox, right? To come. Right. To it wasn't like, yeah, they got like two guys in Monk and um, and Herder, who the other teams wanted to keep, but just because of other situations, they had to let go. And Sacramento didn't really have to give much to get them both, so they bring those yeah. two guys in. 
And so you're right. Th th those were little. Um, those I remember, little Brian, do you remember their, their press seven. conference? They had a press conference in Las Vegas for Summer League for Monk and uh, Herder. And like nobody was there, like four, three people there yeah. <laughs> in that room. And both of them were saying, yeah, we're going to make the playoffs this year. And then that's kind of when I started thinking about it. Like there it was like, okay, let me. Why are they being this confident? Why are they feeling well? With good? all due respect, Malik Monk's played in Charlotte and the Lakers. I don't yeah. know if he's actually enjoyed a lot of success. No, no, no. I, <laughs> I get it. I get it. But they basically were kind of talking about the roster and how collectively they thought they had a playoff team. And then, you know, Harrison Barnes, man, is a won a championship. If he's your number three or four guy offensively, that's pretty good. I mean, he's capable of dropping 30 on any given night. And uh, so I, I just thought collectively that a great roster. And then I know Mike Brown real well, just like you know Mike Brown real well. And his first job, he had LeBron. That's yeah. a tough job, right? To have, it's, a, it's, a, it's a blessing, but it's also a challenge that have such a big-time player. Um, same with Kobe Bryant next. To me, Sacramento was the first time where Mike Brown got to build his own structure. And I think having coached, um, you know, under Steve Kerr, having put together the Nigerian basketball team from scratch and, and build that, I think helped him figure out how to best put this team together and, and build and bond this team. And he, like, took them to dinner in Napa and he, went and not only like go see Sabonis playing in Eurobasket, but um, goes and sees another player on their team who doesn't even play, you know, and in, in the Euroleague and gosh, I forgot the guy's name. Um, start, he's at the end of the bench. Um, By the way, I got, uh, but my, I got go multiple, multiple people reached out to me about Paulo Banquero yeah. saying that the new pronunciation that you, brought out to me was incorrect okay and then i'm just telling I needed, you what this, this i mean like said he asked i'm, hey, I'm listen, gonna get man. on that guard next time i go to chase and well, say people, you sure he told you that <laughs> what i'm telling the people is take it up with paulo okay <laughs> because this is all right apparently all what right. he told the security guard okay but i just need to i just need to slide that in there I'm as gonna an get acknowledgement. His Instagram. I'm gonna get all that. I'm gonna pass it on. And they can no, take it up. With I don't him. want it. I don't want it. <laughs> I'm gonna be like, here, look, here's this whole thing right here. Look at him. <laughs> I don't, I don't a, want I just want to I just wanted to acknowledge that I got the messages that were sent to me in various ways. One of the ills of being a journalist is people get mad at the message. To be continued. Yes. To be continued. We will both see said players <laughs> in Salt Lake City for NBA All-Star Weekend. Yeah, we're going to we get this. corner set. him and get yeah. it on audio for you to play yes. on the podcast. That's right. Okay, we're going to do that. Uh, I don't want to take the shine off the Kings here because that's what we're paying attention yeah, to. Yeah. Um, but, but, but to finish up, no, I, I think Mike was a great choice for this team because they needed somebody that could give them structure. You know Mike is very, very detailed. But this Mike Brown, to me, is also a lot more fun than the one you saw coach in L.A. and Cleveland, like a lot more laid back, which I think you got that from Steve Kerr. And yeah. so I just think this is just this is a good fit. All these guys are a good fit together. There's thirst, there's hunger. And then Mike, I think, is also doing a good job of, yeah, lighting the beam is great. 
And yeah, we look good, but we ain't done nothing yet. Like, I think he keeps yeah. it in perspective. He he used to be like Which a total disciple. I haven't touched down dance too much yet. I got to yeah, make just it. Acknowledging sure it. I'm giving you a January I, I a little happy. thing here and yeah. there. <laughs> a little hip, a little yeah. hip, a little hip, a little but shoulder. <laughs> the dance doesn't take place until they make it. Then okay. there's a dance. Yeah. So I did a piece on Mike Brown that ran uh, Tuesday on ESPN.com about uh, the way he's changed his coaching. When he first started coaching in Cleveland and then in L.A., he was very much of a Greg Popovich disciple. Pound the rock. Um, defense, defense, defense. And he was he was a worker. He, he was a marathon coach guy, a mar- you know, drill, drill, drill. Um, you know, he had these principles defensively that he wanted his teams to follow and he was maniacal about it and it led to success. I mean, I don't need to go through his whole resume. I do remember about his practice. So uh, the Cavs opened their new practice facility. Now it's 15 years old or even older, but back then it was like the sparkling class of the league practice facility. It was 20 minutes away from their arena. That's where the team was based at. And midway through the, the first year, with that facility, the Cavs players went to Mike and said, Hey, can we start doing shoot arounds, game day shoot arounds back at the arena? Not at the facility. I'm like, wait, wait a minute. Away from our great kitchen and everything here, and away from our great weight room and all of our hydro facilities. Yeah, yeah. We, we don't feel like we're getting enough. Uh, and it might have been LeBron. I don't know if it was LeBron, but it was the team veterans. We're not getting enough um, reps in the building. You know, we're feeling a, a disconnection from our arena. It's like, okay, well, we're going to move the, um, the shoot-arounds on the day of the game away from our new $50 million practice facility into the arena. But that wasn't the truth. That wasn't why they wanted to move them. They wanted to move them because if you have shoot-around at the arena, you're limited to one hour because shoot-around starts at 10, and then at 11 o'clock, the visiting team comes in. <laughs> you got to get off the floor. Them's the rules, yeah. right? Yeah. And that was because the Cavs retired along shoot-arounds. They did that as a trick to force Mike to, and then Mike told me as part of this, 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 Mike this was, it? yeah, yeah. He was one who told me about. So in the story, this wasn't in the story, but he told me about his first season when he went to golden state and was an assistant and he's doing his thing. And Andre Guadala and some of the other veterans pull him aside and were like, Hey, Mike, relax a little bit, chill. And the way he developed, he, he was, you know, in the story I talk about, he, he talks about how, um, Sometimes there were days when he's with the Warriors and Steve Kerr where the most important thing Kerr wanted to get across was was reinforcing a message, reinforcing an idea or a theme. And if that was more important than practice, then that was more important than practice. And so here's a guy who used to win games proudly in the playoffs, 76, 73, 79, 76. Uh, Obviously, that's that's an old NBA. That wouldn't happen today, but... Um, his team second in offense, like 25th in defense. And you would never see that from Mike Brown. And his said his number one priority when he came there was to get them to be confident because he would, he would watch them on film and he'd watch them in person and they'd be in a game that could go either way. And because it said Sacramento on their chest, the other team was like, well, we're going to win this game. And they played like it. And the Kings were like, well, we're going to lose this game. And they played like it. And that the biggest thing for him, because he, he kind of, he's like, look, we have a good team. I'm not looking at a team. He goes, yeah. you know, the team had 30 wins last year. He looked at the talent. He's like, that's not 31 talent. We can do better than that. Yeah. And so getting them to believe has been a big, um, a big thing. And so far they are before you, know you got to go. Wait, wait, yeah, go quick, ahead. 
that's a very astute point you just made because now I'm thinking about those. Remember that own four start that you mentioned? Yeah. They, they weren't getting blown out. They were those were like close losses where you know you scratch your head losses for them. And so I when I watch them play now, it doesn't feel like you're watching the woe is me kings. This is like a different brand, a more confident brand. Just to be clear. It's not that Mike Brown's thrilled with them being at the bottom 10 in defense. Yeah. He's going to work on that. But his number one priority had to be to get these guys to have confidence. And the, the confidence that De'Aaron Fox has, he's never played with this much confidence. And yeah. it also might be it's his sixth season. You know, he's got the keys. They traded Halliburton. They didn't draft Jaden Ivey. They were like, he's got a chip, man. He's got a real big chip on his shoulder, too. And he's, he's one of the top For a lot of reasons. For a lot of reasons. He's one of the top three or four players to uh, in, in clutch play this year, in clutch shooting and clutch scoring. And that's made a big difference. When you have – when your point guard, the guy who controls the ball, gets into the end of a game that can go either way and 100% believes – I mean, this is – to be honest with you, this is the thing about the, um, the Grizzlies. People talk about the Grizzlies. They get annoyed because the Grizzlies are very arrogant or confident. But, like – that there is a value to that. Maybe there is a, a there's diminishing returns, but when you get to the end of the game, you think Des Bain or Dylan Brooks or John Morant don't believe. I mean, obviously now they're the one of the best teams in the league. They're a legit contender. But even a year ago, you think they didn't believe? No, they believed that they could do it, and they have done it. This is you know the Kings need you know they need a, they needed a few things. They needed some some better roster depth. They needed some, you know, some more balanced roster they needed, you know, but confidence is one of the things that they needed. Mike Brown identified that that was the most important thing. He's focused on that. And it has been a, you know, there's many factors, but it has been a strong factor in them turning around before you go spares. You got to go to the airport. Lopez is going to be here in a minute. I want to ask you real quick about this Lakers trade with Rui Hachimura. I don't know how Hachimura is going to fit to me. The bigger news this week is that Anthony Davis is going to come back uh, tonight. I believe is the plan as long as he doesn't have any setbacks and warmups and he's going to play limited minutes and getting Anthony Davis back is more important than getting Rui Hachimura. But um, what I'll say about, so Rob Palinka came out and gave a press conference before their game against the Clippers on Tuesday. It was a bad game for the Lakers. LeBron had the best three point shooting game of his career at nine threes. They still got beat by 20. Um, but in that press conference, Palinka said, you know, basically implied that they may not be done. And this is interesting to me, Spears, because when you trade for a guy who's a restricted free agent to be, you're not just trading for him. You're trading for him and demonstrating that you want to pay him. This is like when, when Philly traded for James Harden. They didn't just trade for James Harden. They traded for James Harden and the reality that they had to pay him. Now, they ended up taking a pay cut. We didn't know that was going to happen, but that was a factor in the trade. So in the Lakers, who are in position right now, if they hold on to Russell Westbrook, to be a cap space team, 30 plus million. Maybe I don't even, they, they, you know, the sky's the limit for them. If they just let Westbrook's 47 million come off the books. And for a while, that's what I thought they were intending to do. But now that they've traded for Hachimura, not only they traded for him, they have traded for him. Like, look, maybe they end up, won't end up signing him. But when you make the decision to trade for him, you're basically saying, we're going to try to trade for him. And we're going to try to, sign him. And the other thing is, I'm sure one of the players they're interested in free agency with money is probably Kyle Kuzma. 
And this trade opens more of a window for Kuzma to get paid by Washington. Now, whether or not Kuzma wants to stay there or not, I don't know. But that is part of the arithmetic here. So I wonder if the Lake, and they say they're not finished. I wonder if the Lakers maybe change their approach a little bit with Westbrook. I don't say for sure, but it made me wonder and made other people in the league wonder too. Yeah. Um, been watching really closely since his Gonzaga days. Um, actually saw one of his last games last week with Washington. Uh, crazy thing to me, I'm like surprised Palenka took Tommy Shepard's call like <laughs> after the Westbrook trade. Like, you want to do another they've trade done, with Washington? They've done several big, you know, when they did the Anthony Davis trade and had to clear out space for him yeah. uh, with uh, um, Mo Wagner. And I don't remember who else was in the deal, but yeah, they've done several big trades. Yeah, so I um, you know what? Maybe maybe they're looking at Rui's age, and and I got to see how it works. Like I'm confused on how the fit is. Maybe it gives them somebody they feel like if Anthony is out, that he could kind of hold the fort down. Um, but this isn't Miles Turner either, right? This is um, no, he's he's got good size, and he's athletic, so. The Lakers definitely need athleticism and size, but he's he's not a. And I thought they needed he, some depth in the front court. No, for sure they do. And without none, question, none just you know certainly hasn't been able to give anything to them since his arrival. Whether it's just been injuries or logjam at guard, so I'm I, I'm not one of those guys that are in love with second round picks anyway. You know, I'm not really like worried about what they gave up. But to your point, like that's a free agent probably now right that's the guy they it's a free agent i don't know if it's yeah they're all their free agent uh, i do know this that there were at least two other bona fide offers for hachimura yeah one of them was a three-team trade and you know i always say a three-team trades no team trade and one of them was a was another team that hasn't been mentioned um as a hachimura candidate yet publicly that I know of. And I'm not going to do it now because I don't have a hundred percent lockdown. I don't mean to be evasive, but I know there were several other offers and maybe the wizards would say, huh, there were six other offers or weren't three, yeah. but I, I am told of at least two other offers. This was, there was a bit of a, of a calling it a bidding war might be yeah. aggressive, but there was multiple bids for Hachimura. And basically Rui was ready to move on. Um, and they needed to clear out a log jam in their uh, in their front court and they like kuzma they want to pay kuzma and i think and so, uh yeah. kuzma dare i say is becoming as big a star in washington as bill has been like he is well, the, he is yeah. like really like i went to that game last week the kuz chants are going crazy that washington has fallen in love with him and i do think for kuzma this is a chance for him to perhaps even you know, be a face of a franchise that he'll, he never got an opportunity to be close to being at, with the Lakers. I, you know, it's, I mean, you know, I, I don't know if he wants to just keep changing teams. Like he could be the man there. That's true. Well, like, it depends. Like one of the things where that, else is he going to go? Right. Like where else well, is he going to like be the guy? There are teams. No, he, no, listen, he, he's got options this summer. Yeah. The thing about Beal is the wizards have always, given him the sun, the moon, and the stars contractually. Yeah. They've given him maxes. They've given him extensions, yeah. favorable extensions to him. And now they gave him a no trade clause. Like he has gotten 
the contractual platinum platter. Kuzma, if they want to keep him, they might have to give him maybe more money than anybody else does. So that's and, a question. And the Spears, one name you haven't mentioned is Porzingis, right? Who was eligible for an extension, who didn't play uh, in Dallas uh, on Tuesday night, and the, uh, the Wizards won. They went 2-0 against Luka this year, which uh, I don't think Porzingis played in either game, actually. So what um, happens with him, right? For, I, I feel like Kuzma's of uh, more interest to, for the Wizards to keep than, than Porzingis, respectfully. Well, this decision, people, I think some people were like, oh, I wonder if the Wizards are going to sell their pieces off now. I go, no, this is, in my view, from what I understand, this is them clearing out space for Kuzma to, to thrive even more and clearing yeah. out dollars to pay him. All right, Spears, you got to go to the airport and go to New Orleans. Thanks for stopping by. We'll we'll be uh, tracking two things: Paolo Bencaro <clears throat> and whether the ben Kings Cher- can make here. Bencaro. <laughs> Listen, man. If man, the Kings hey, make you, you the know playoffs, what I can do. What time is it? It's too early. I was going to like call his mama. <laughs> if, if we hey look, next time I'm on. All right. If he if we don't have an answer by then. I will have his mom ready to go on a uh, speakerphone and we can right. ask her directly. How's that? All right, great. It wasn't so early. Okay, so we could do it right now, but it's 7 a.m. in Seattle. Say, I know, I'm just going to say that, you know, I don't look at my Twitter mentions. So people, to get messages to me, it takes some effort. Tell them to ask him. Tweet, Paolo. Listen, we're, we're going to get to the bottom of this. I just never have I had, like, my girlfriend's brother's Italian cousin has got to get in touch with you. It, for some reason, it struck a chord. So I yeah, don't, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Just a messenger. <laughs> Just a messenger. With respect, respect. Yeah. All right, Spears. Thank you. Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part: each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seat Rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP, H-O-O-P. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. All right, well, we've leapt over to New Orleans where we're now Mark Spears' advanced team. And Andrew Lopez joining us from New Orleans. I hope you are prepared. We let Spears go so that he could get on a plane to come see you. So I hope you're making the requisite preparations for the godfather, Mark Spears, to get in there. I am. Now I, I think it's four games and four nights for me. So I got I to gotta make sure I get my rest in before, uh, before yeah, Spears gets here. I'm making you get up early <laughs> for this. Um, so you were just in Orlando um, for a couple of games. 
Now, Spears and I have been in a good-natured back and forth about how to pronounce rookie Paolo. Ben Caro. Okay. So the listeners are more up to date than you are because you didn't hear us talk. Just <laughs> they know the way you said it. They know. They know. That's all I'm going to leave it at that is they know. All right. We'll talk about Orlando in a second. You're with the Pelicans as usual. You were with them last night. They lost to the Nuggets by one. Um, was, they were way behind in that game yeah. and, and came back. Um, no Zion, no Ingram. Who else was out? Uh, Najee Marshall was out, who, if you go back maybe a couple months, that doesn't sound as bad, but he has been a solid starter for them in – not having Brandon Ingram in it, especially when when kind of Herb Jones went out. He came Herb came back a couple games ago, but uh, no Najee, no no Brandon, no Z, and they fell behind by 19. We're actually able to take the lead in the final minute. Then Jokic hit a little floater in the lane. They were trying to do some switching on defense. Uh, looked like they couldn't get back to him in time, and then uh, CJ misses a three that would have put him up by two with a. Probably like four, four or five seconds left. Um, Billy Herney Gomez was actually underneath the basket wide open, but I think the angle to try for Herb Jones to try to get it there was kind of difficult. Herb apologized to Billy after the game, but um, they fought back. But they're, I mean, it's a, that's kind of been their story, especially the last month or so, is they just haven't put together a full, uh, full 48 minutes. Right. They're banged up. You know, it's kind of like the Suns. You know, the Suns were like super duper crazy banged up, barely could feel the team. Signing guys off the street and like playing them 25 minutes like they did with Saban Lee. And like they're getting beat like every night. And people are like, oh, my gosh, you know, the window is closed for the Suns, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know, or maybe they're missing a couple of all NBA players <laughs> and like a couple of really important guys. And maybe we'll just wait. And, um, you know, lo and behold, the Suns have won like uh uh, what is it? Four in a row, I think now. And they're not, they're not yeah. even fully healthy. Booker's not back. Um, the Suns all of a sudden got off the road, got to play some home games, got a couple of guys healthy. Cam Johnson's back. They've won four in a row, and now they're essentially tied for sixth. So this is what I'll say about the the Pelicans too. Like they're taking some losses right now. Just don't have a freak out about it. Um, yeah. Okay, but that said, the reason I want to talk to you today is because Brandon Ingram has been out for. Six weeks with the oh, toe injury. We're we're at a full two months, I think, as two of months. tomorrow. Okay. Anybody listening to this podcast knows how much I think of Brandon Ingram. Uh, it's actually one of the you know storylines of the Western Conference that New Orleans was actually able to climb up this far without him, and it's partially because uh, Zion was playing so well. Um, before he hurt his hamstring. Also, C.J. McCollum is rounded into form, and some of their other young players are playing well. Um, so, look, toe injuries, these, these are things that, like, don't heal. And there's – I am not a podiatrist, to be clear, but there are some toe injuries that are the result of trauma. And then there are some toe injuries that are something that, that, you know, basketball players get over the course of time and basketball players feet. Andrew, you know, this it's, yeah. it's a horror show. It's a horror show. <laughs> I, I think a lot of people, uh, 
have started to, to figure this out in, in recent weeks where we, we've seen some pictures of guys in locker rooms, but no NBA players, it's not, it's not the prettiest thing in the world. Yeah. And I would say that like one, I mean, I know that this sounds crazy. And when I first heard it, I kind of was like, what, but like one of the areas of study and, and focus for the physios, for the trainers, the athletic trainers, to be clear, they don't like it when you call them trainers, that the athletic trainers, for the sports science folks, right now, the hottest spot or one of the hottest spots is the big toe. There's a lot of study and effort going into the big toe right now. Um, and there's the great toe, if you're, if you're the, the great Pelicans. <laughs> yes, that's what they, they do call it that, the great toe. Um, and I mean, it has been, you know, it's not like it's a nuke idea, but like there's more techniques and things that are done with maintenance, strengthening, protecting the, the great toe because of this type of situation that is potentially, I mean, this, this, seriously, it's threatening the Pelican season. So, yeah. um, I mean, Ingram, this is a, you know, m- protecting his toe and monitoring it and taking care of it because this isn't as simple as he kicked somebody and it was sore for a few days. This is very clearly a significant issue. Um, have you talked to him at all? What has he said about it? You know, he's, it's kind of funny though. The, I was in, uh, as I drove up to Orlando on Monday for, from Miami for Jonathan Isaacs game. That's when Brandon decided to talk. So I, I, Oh, you missed him. Of course. But I've obviously I listened back to it and he, he talked about that. It, it's a pain issue. It's, it's being able to push off. It's being able to feel like himself. And the one thing I will say about Brandon Ingram, um, since he dealt with the, the shoulder issue in Los Angeles with the blood clot, um, he has been uh, – it's a couple of things. One, he's been very appreciative of being able to play the game of basketball. And say, now I'm talking like Brandon because Brandon likes to say the game of basketball a lot. He says the <laughs> word basketball. If you just go back and listen to any random Brandon Ingram interview, uh, yeah, we just have to do things on the offensive and defensive end of, like, of the floor. He says basketball five times. It's, it's just one this of those things that you pick golfers. up as a writer. This happens with golfers too because I'm a golf fan. They like to put the word golf in, into the sentence as many times. They never say the ball, the course, the hole. They always say, well, we played the golf course, you know, the golf ball, the golf hole. They love saying the word golf. And maybe yeah. Brandon is, is from that same st- uh, spirit. He loves saying the word basketball. Loves saying the word basketball. And so, okay. but he's talked about it. it's been a pain issue. And let, let, let's go back to, so November 25th is when he gets injured. He kicks the back. I think it was Dylan Brooks's foot. Um, I could be wrong on that, but it was, he kicks the back of somebody's foot. And, you know, they are expecting at that point to be a day-to-day type thing. Um, they get the imaging done. It presents as a contusion. So they're okay. This is what we're going to do. Originally he ramps up, you know, even, I don't even think they thought he was going to be out a couple of weeks, but he, he, he starts his ramp up process. He was going to play, I believe it was the second Phoenix game at home when they had, when they, they, they a beat Phoenix. In, yeah. yeah. And that was the, the game after the Zion windmill dunk that, you know, everybody remembers. Uh, things didn't feel right then. They go on this road trip. They're talking. I think it was Utah, Utah, Phoenix. It was that weird part of the schedule. It was Phoenix, Phoenix, Utah, Utah, Phoenix. And in that ramp up, 
something didn't feel right. And after that, he took a few weeks off and they've just kind of been slowly monitoring it. And Brandon knows, I think Brandon wants to just know he's a hundred percent as, as much as he can be. I think at this point in the season, obviously guys are playing banged up. Um, guys are playing through a lot of things, but kind of when you mentioned it, it is your toe. It is, it is so much. Uh, can you get the right lift? Can you make the right cuts? Can you defend the right way? And I think, he has just been in that process of trying to trust himself to get back to being able to play like Brandon Ingram. I don't think he wants to go out there and not play, you know, and, and be something that he feels like he, he can't go to one of his moves. And I think watching him uh, last night, Tuesday night, warming up prior to the Nuggets game, he, he started to hit some of his, his turnarounds that he, that he does. And he, he was progressing more to, okay, now my pregame warmup is let me just get a lot of threes up. Let me just get a lot of middies up to let me work on the moves that I'm going to use uh, in a game. And I think there is, there is hope. There is optimism. I think Willie Green said the words definitely hopeful uh, that he will be able to, <laughs> to return tonight against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, that's Wednesday night. Uh, you're also looking at, you know, if they, if he doesn't do it tonight, they're off tomorrow, off Friday. Uh, they they host the Washington Wizards on Saturday, but I think um, if everything goes according to plan, the two month absence of of Mr. Brandon Ingram uh, should be over. That was my concern: is that he's still not a you know he's still he's still dealing with pain. Yeah, you know that that's the thing that you know did you get worried about? The other thing was in the 15 games he played before he got hurt, he was having a great season. He was taking he was playing a little bit less. He was taking some fewer, taking fewer shots, but obviously Zion coming back changes things. He well, in two of those games, he he leaves the game. So when you only have 15 games, and in two of those games, you only play the first one, you play eight okay. minutes, and the other you play 10. I think okay, that that's even, why his nets down. That makes but, but I remember like weird. he was shooting the heck out of it. Yeah. He was shooting his best yes. three-point shooting of his career, like his best overall shooting since he was in um since he's been in new Orleans. I mean, like he was off to a really good start. Um, so obviously you're, you're, there's going to be some, some time to, to, to get that hopefully going back again. But you know, he was already, you know, cause CJ started off in a, uh, CJ McCollum started off in a slump this year. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but Ingram was great. And look, and if the Pelicans are at full strength and ifs and buts and blah, 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 I mean, <laughs> they can win the West. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, you know, there, there have been some folks, I, I, I was talking to a, um, to a league to a, I don't want to say what his title is because it's easier to identify the guys at the top of the organization <laughs> of a, uh, of a team recently. Um, and uh, it was actually uh, when I was in Paris with um, doing with Victor Wembanyama, which the stories will be coming, starting to come soon on that. And I was sitting with this individual and uh, we were talking about the trade deadlines. That's what you do between January 1st and February 10th. And he goes, the team I'm most interested in is the Pelicans. What are they going to do? Um, and I've talked about this before, but um, you know, the Pelicans have plus draft picks, plus they have the swap. If uh, they, they can trade their pick, which comes with the Lakers swap this year. So um, I will, I will say I, Trading that pick and the swap is is a little bit more complicated than um, 
I think it's it, then in just doing it. I think there's there's a couple of layers to it. Uh, I've checked in on this because I was very curious, especially when you start hearing them in potential trade deals, trade partners. Um, it, it, it gets very complicated for them to try and trade it and protect it and do all these different things. I, I would see them, if they are involved in trades, trying to get to future assets um, yeah. rather than trying to trade this, they also try don't to protect wanna, they also this don't... and all this and, and give up your possible, you know, Victor ticket. There you uh, go. Either. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Now we've arrived also at the complication. Um, I am, I am one that's talked about the dream that it would be for them to acquire OG Ananobi. Yes. Uh, and how amazing that would be were OG Ananobi to become available. Um, you know, I actually think that if OG Ananobi became available, that Memphis and New Orleans might go at each other, go at each other, you know, sort of fight to get him. Having said that, um, the latest information I have is OG Ananobi remains unavailable. Right. So, I, I mean, I, th- I think there's some interest in uh, in what Toronto may do, especially around Fred Van Vliet because of his extension that they didn't come out. But um, there are a number of teams that are watching. I was going to say, there are, <laughs> for, there are plenty of teams besides Memphis and New Orleans yeah. who are trying to see what Toronto wants to do. Yes, and I'm not saying that Tor- Toronto hasn't received, you know, blind, not blind, but, you know, unrequited uh, offers for Ananobi. But um, to my knowledge, he is not being made available as yet by the by the Raptors. But that would be a player that if you were the if you were the Pelicans and the price was getting that swap, you may have to, you know, mull your options over on that. But that's a hypothetical for now. Um, There was an update on Zion Williamson yesterday, um, which was what? They are, uh, he will be reevaluated in two weeks. Everything is going as scheduled. I think this was always kind of the original timeline. I think we've, we've seen this across the league right now. We're going to, we're not going to say, oh, he's going to be out four to six. We're going to say he's, he's going to be reevaluated at this point. He's going to be reevaluated at this point. You know, we, we, I mean, we see what KD did. Like everybody's reevaluated now before we, we just say, okay, he's out <laughs> six weeks, eight weeks, whatever it is. Um, however, everything is going, um, on schedule with Z, uh, if they reevaluate him in two weeks, um, that would give them four games left prior to All Star break. Uh, I mean, would you want to bring him back for for you know three three? Well, games what if he gets named an All Star next week? So the All Star starters are, are announced right. uh, Thursday. Um, this is going to be a little bit of drama. Uh, uh, front courts in the both sides. Whoever the third front court guy is going to be a little bit of drama. Uh, I voted, by the way, um, uh, I had a vote for the media portion of vote, 25%. And the tough call for me was the third West front court player. And if you listen to this podcast for the last few months, you will not be surprised when I announce here that uh, I put Demata Sabonis in as uh, third, my third pick is there's a, you know, obviously, you know, <laughs> there's there's a couple of easy slots, but the, the third one yeah. and, and, and Zion, if he hadn't gotten hurt, would have been a strong contender there. But Zion did get hurt, right. um, so uh, there's a number of different ways the third front court player can go. Um, Anthony Davis got hurt, so you know there's a couple of guys who would have would have been easier picks. But um, Zion has a 
contender to get one of those all-star spots. The Western Conference yes. is not deep. Um, uh, what if he gets named to his first all-star game? What's he going to do about that? Well, the what second he did, he did, he did sneak in the second year, and then oh, not only, not right. only, well, not I'll only was mind. he remember he ended up being a second, he, he ended up being a starter in that game because Joel uh, got placed in health and safety. That was it. That was that game in Atlanta, right? That was, that was the of Atlanta the, one where Doc. Uh, had well, I blocked that. I blocked. Doc I had to look down the bench and go, "All right, who's starting? Uh, Zeke, get in there. Let's go." All right. I don't even I don't even think I watched that game. Uh to be honest with you. Also, I'll start a break real quick. I just want to say I am very excited now that the NBA is going to make them pick teams 30 minutes before the game. Yeah, that was announced yesterday. I I I absolutely great idea. I mean, I know you know players have talked about it. KD talked about it before. The fact that they're gonna do it like live. I just want them to have them like lined up so we actually see. Like, <laughs> yeah, but last year, the, the LeBron KD thing was amazing. Yeah, I think the, the draft itself is great TV. I like I it, it's it's fantastic. But actually watching them do it, I'm sure they'll still have that set up like in like in person right before. I, I think it's great. But the, but the Harden thing last year was like, yes, it was like it was amazing. <laughs> fantastic. Uh, <laughs> I mean, like, uh, I guess it is, it is also, here's, here's why, like, I don't really care about them, you know, not having, you know, having to be there because, you know, some of it's going to be a manufactured response anyway, like, you know, but I like the fact that it allows for all maximum drama to happen so that like anything that could happen in the league or could be said or traded or whatever, like it allows for maximum drama to have happened right before that although uh, last year was so much fun <laughs> i can't remember katie was like you gotta have bigs in this league you know? yes <laughs> <laughs> he was like taking go bear i think i was i think i was at a game when when all that was going down because i think i remember watching it like in the media section at at a Pell's game, and while we were just we had all the tvs like turned on like remember, this is great this is amazing remember lebron LeBron had that clipboard. He was laughing. And he's, he's, co- he's covering his face covering his, with the clipboard. And Katie's just standing. No, just, and the and the guy <laughs> and this, the guys on the you know the the inside crew were <laughs> like you gotta have. I remember that. I can't remember if it was Gobert or whatever. It was like you gotta have bigs. <laughs> yeah, I remember was, Kenny Smith was like, "That's right, play checkers." But you play or you play chess, not checkers. Play chess, not checkers. So just oh, man, fantastic that is, aside that has already taken us off, off uh, the rails here, but yeah, so I that was announced very Tuesday that they're going to pick the teams right before the game, Yeah, which is an and, effort to get people to watch <laughs> the pregame show. If you want the honest assessment of that, but Z uh, could be, I mean, you're right. Z could be in that. And I, I don't know if, if, like I said, if reevaluated in two weeks, gives him four games before the all-star game. Do you, do you bring him back before that? Do you let him play an all-star or do you wait and, you know, you bring him back? I think it's Toronto. Toronto, New York is their first road trip, you know, after all-star. And, you know, Zion gets to go play in. He loves the garden. I'll never forget this. Somebody asked him, remember this? Were you there? This was in the. uh, This was in the the, the COVID times. Okay. Somebody asked him about playing at the garden. And he, you know, he does have like one of the greatest smiles in the league, Zion. Right. And he smiles. Thank you for asking. 
I love, I love it. Yeah. So this is, I, I believe this was, this is, uh, yeah, this should be his first game in the garden since, uh, since that. All right. Well, hopefully he gets healthy and everything's fine. By the way, before we move on to Jonathan Isaac, um, I watched, I think it was the Pelican strength and conditioning coach posted a video of Willie green. Yes. Throwing down a dunk in practice in Miami last week. Yes. Willie Green got up. Will, Willie Green, it was the end of practice, finished with a windmill. Um, we we're kind of joking with him about it the other day. He's like, oh, I was just, you know, trying to, you know, he's like, when you're in Miami, you know, the the heat, you know, you, you, your body's a little looser. He's like, I don't know if I could have did that in Denver or Detroit or <laughs> uh, any other place. He's like, I was just, just feeling good after practice that day. But yeah, Willie, so Willie got up through that windmill. That begs the question: How many NBA coaches today could dunk? Dunk or throw dunk. down a windmill? Well, throw down a windmill. <laughs> can Monty Williams throw down a he? Can Monty Williams throw down a windmill right now? I don't. I think Monty can dunk. Yeah, he definitely could dunk. Throw down a I, windmill. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click Granger.com or just stop by. Can we can we can we have an NBA coaches dunk contest? Can we can we add that oh to All Star Weekend? I mean, throw down a windmill. Well, Tibbs is throwing down a windmill. You know. Oh, of course. No. Yeah. I mean, well, how many coaches do we think can dunk today? Today. Um, like, can Jason Kidd still dunk? I was gonna say, yeah, Jay Kidd. I I think Jay Kidd could probably he, still get up he there. He can still he can still dunk. Can Darvin Ham dunk? Yeah, yeah. Darvin Ham. Dunk. I mean, Al, Alvin oh, Gentry was throwing down dunks four or five years ago. All right. I mean, I know he's in well, the he's not I mean, a head so, coach right now. Right. But I'm saying, like, uh, I, I feel good about Chauncey. Is Chauncey throwing it down? Chauncey could yeah, throw down. Yeah. Chauncey can get up there. All right. Um, Chauncey might be. Yeah. I just, I, we can, the, I, I'd like to see the NBA coaches dunk contest. Let's, let's get that <laughs> in the works. <laughs> Maybe we do it in summer league. So we'll Joe do it. We'll look throw it down. Joe Mazzula we'll, we'll, we'll do it in Vegas at Summer League. So, so you know, all the heat can get there. They can get loose up a little, <laughs> right. uh, loose up loose a little up. bit. <laughs> uh, yeah, like if you gave Eric Spolstra like a couple of weeks, I'll bet he could, he could, you know, I don't know if he could do it right. Maybe he could. Maybe I'm insulting. Maybe, maybe he could. But uh, Pop, Pop's going to surprise us all. Pop's going to do like a two-hand back scratcher. <laughs> <laughs> Pop's going to hang on the <laughs> Pop's going to hang gonna, on the rim. Going to hang on a rim and just stare. Just... <laughs> Oh my God. Um, anyway, 
uh, so you were in Florida with the, with the Pelicans and then uh, Jonathan Isaac came back and played it for his first time since uh, August of 2020. You covered that game. You talked to him. Um, he tore his ACL in August 4th, I think, 2020 August, in the August bubble. 2nd, August 2nd, 2020. August 2nd. It's an extremely long recovery. Um, the Magic have obviously not um, been incentivized to rush him. Right. Uh, it's still a strange um, recovery timeline. Uh, you know, the idea was that he was going to be back for the start of the season. And here we are midway through. So uh, I-, I wondered if you could uh, just tell us about what he said and what, what his teammates were like. Um, you know, you, at one point was a really key player for them. They signed him to a, a pretty big contract extension after that injury. Um, so just, just sort of take us into what that situation was like in Orlando the other night. Yeah, it was, um, you know, hadn't played a, a game since August 2nd. Hadn't played a game in front of fans in over three years. In fact, his last, his last game at Amway Center was December 30th. 2019. Wow. Um, oh my God. Also, in that starting lineup because, that night, because he got hurt before he got the pandemic. hurt. So, what happened was he got hurt. He sprained his knee New Year's Day 2020, missed the last two months before the, of the, before the, you know, COVID shut down the season, then only played two games in the bubble and then towards ACL there. Um, I think Vooch, Evan Fournier, I forgot who the one of the other starters was in that game for Orlando when he last played in Amway. Um, but Fultz was there, and obviously Fultz played with him the other night. And only three guys were, were even on the team, I think, when, when he last played. Oh my so God. they are they are in the process of kind of easing him in. Um, <laughs> you can say that. I, I don't think there's ever been a bigger ease in the history yeah. of easing. Yeah, the Jamal, Jamal Mosley, who also could get up there. Jamal Mosley. Oh, Jamal Mosley. He could throw it down. Jamal could get up down. there. Um, so, uh, like the other night, the, his he was playing eight to ten minutes. You know, Nate I, McMillan, I is he still throwing it down? Ooh, that might be a good one. Yeah. We're going to have, we're going to, like by next pod, we're going to have like power rankings. <laughs> okay. This is going to be great. This is this is already great info for you and the Tims. Yes. Just tell them now to start preparing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm, um, I, you know, I'm just I'm considering it. So, they're uh, you know mostly even joked. They're like, how, "How are you going to monitor his minutes?" And mostly just said strongly and started laughing. <laughs> like they they know. Okay, so right. eight to ten minutes the other night they, they played him yeah. in two two stints toward the end of kind of late first quarter, late third quarter. Um, and he looked look he he looked like a guy who didn't play for a while in that first. Obviously, he played three games with the Lakeland Magic, their G League team, who really is right there. I mean, it's not that far. Um, they even practice, I think, right there at the the in the arena where you used to where they used to have the summer league games. Now there's a brand new facility, you know, like maybe like a block or two away. But um, yeah, and that new facility, by the way, the each gorgeous. Magic player has like their own like small apartment. It feels that way in the locker room. Like in New York City, it would be like sixteen hundred a month for what yes. they're for for each it's, locker. Uh, I I got a chance to look like, to tour it a little bit. It is phenomenal. Like that is it is it is going to set a standard of what 
I think teams are going to have to do in terms of facilities. Um, so Isaac is getting in there. He plays. He looks rusty in the first one. He actually um, he, he's, he trips. He says it was a misstep because, he, you know, his first play, they get it down to him. Jalen Brown, he thinks Jalen's going to try to take a charge. Jalen Brown just kind of backs up, um, kind of missteps, misses his first layup, comes back down, hits a turnaround. But he joked, I mean, he played, I think, four and a half minutes in the first stint. And he's like, I couldn't talk by the end of the first stint. He's like, I was yeah. I was breathing so heavy. And you could tell just how comfortable he got in the second stint, hit a couple of threes, got a couple of steals, had one that the last play he makes, he gets the steal um, toward the top. It's a, it's a fast break. He hands it off to, to Paulo. Paulo finishes it, you know, with a dunk. And, you know, 10 minutes, 10 points four of seven shooting. You could tell he was kind of, he wanted to get some nerves out in the first stint. The second stint was much better. His teammates are cheering him on. They're all wearing Jonathan Isaac shirts. Oh, really? You know, into the game that, you know, it was his number one with Isaac in it. So, and he, I think the, the biggest thing was he admitted. That's important though. Like it's important after all this. Yeah. And, you know, he's been a, you know, I don't want to get into this because we talk about the NBA in here, but he's been a bit controversial. Some bit. of the stuff that's happened that he set off the court. So it's interesting that he, uh, to me, that his team, I mean, I'm not saying they're going to like not care, but like that they're right. rallying around him for this. They were, I mean, Cole's Cole Anthony's coming in. Like you, there's a picture of like Jonathan Isaac, like just coming in in his regular, you know, gear. And then everybody's coming in in these shirts. Cole's Cole Anthony's right there, you know, trying to take pictures with him. They were supportive. Cole Anthony, he mentioned, he's like, look, when, when he was out, I mean, if you're having a good game, he's he's texting you. If you're you're going into a slump, he's texting you. He's trying to bring you encouragement, and they were they were there for him. And you know, obviously, they were trying to get him the ball early. They did, um, but I think the, the biggest thing to me was he he admitted he 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 didn't know if this day was going to come. You go through the ACL, you go through the hamstring injury that that also you know lengthens this process, more injuries, and he admitted that he let that doubt kind of creep in at at, at some point. And, you know, he, he leaned on his faith. I mean, that's, he, you know, he, he's like, this is, this is what I'm made to do. This is why God made me. This is, you know, he put me on the stage to, to praise him. And he's like, that was kind of his reminder. He go, he leaned on his family. He leaned on his church family. He leaned on his teammates. He leaned on his coaches um, to, to, to get to where he is today. And it was a, a situation where I think, you know, you could, you could tell his teammates, were there. You could tell his teammates were excited, you know, to get the guy who was a defensive player of the year candidate before he hurts his knee. The, the, I mean, that's you know, the thing. Like, years ago, I'm, he's not going to be that guy, but he did. He guarded Jason Tatum. He guarded Jalen Brown. Like he was. That's right. They're like, all right, go back out there. There was a reason why they gave this guy so much money. <laughs> it's just yeah. you, it, you don't get guys who are that big and that athletic. You don't find them very often. And, uh, you know, Orlando has tried, has been trying to get players like this. It's why they drafted Mo Bamba, which it hasn't really worked out. Um, it hasn't worked out, period. But like they've been looking for players, you know, that these sort of athletic, you know, Bamba's bigger than Isaac, but they these sort of athletic bigs is what they've that they've wanted. It's one of the reasons why, like, you know, they were, you know, love the idea of Ben Caro because his incredible size with the rest of the size they already have, it's like sort of the modern team. Um, of course, Jabari Smith Jr. was also another guy right. who's had great size. Um, you know, they weren't interested in Chet Holmgren, though. But, um, 
But yeah, I mean, one of the things you, you project the magic out, okay, they've got probably the rookie of the year. Um, Franz Wagner, another guy with really good size. Um, who's Fra- Franz Wagner has not played five on five with Jonathan Isaac yet because of how <laughs> things have broken down. Talk to him there. Talk to him in the locker room the other night. He just is like, I'm just excited to play with him. He's like, I, and then in the game itself, Isaac's coming in for Franz and then Franz is coming back in to, to take him out. So they, even in the game, they still haven't played. Five on play. five together. Wow. Well, and look, I mean, like there's, they're going to give another high draft pick, yep. you know? Um, so maybe, maybe the high draft pick. That would be something. That would be something. Um, that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, when Benyama, when Benyama doesn't watch NBA games, he watches um, footage of guys, uh, YouTube clips and stuff. He studies Durant a lot. Um, and he also was, was saying to me that, you know, as a fan of basketball, when you watch the league or when you, not actually physically watch it. I mean, it's hard to watch the NBA games in, uh, in Europe. Right. In front, yeah. um, but uh, you don't pay attention to the bottom. If you're a fan of, you know, if you're a fan of basketball, you're like, Oh, what, are, what are the Grizzlies doing? What are the, the, the Celtics doing? You know, <laughs> um, what are the Warriors doing? All oh, the Warriors are in the middle of the pack right now, but like, that's who you're paying attention to. You're not paying attention. You know, what's going on in Houston, <laughs> you know, right. Um, and so like, you know, as an NBA fan, he's been an NBA fan since he was like 14, probably longer than that. But that was when he kind of knew he wanted to be an NBA player. And, you know, he's watched the top of the league, you know, so it's a little different, even though it's his life. But, uh, that having said all that, he's obviously aware of of what's going on down at the bottom. Um, I just don't think he's necessarily studying teams like the magic that closely. He's got his own team he's playing for right now. Right. But, uh, you know, when you let yourself think a bit, because Wembenyama isn't necessarily a center. I mean, I right. think he will probably play center, but uh, it's kind of like Chet Holmgren. They're, they're not quite the same. Uh, Wembenyama plays a little bit more inside. Uh, they're trying to play him more inside in that league over there. In that league over there, um, they've stopped putting centers on him. And they've started putting like, uh, like um, the strong power forwards on him. Yeah, you know the, the the strongest forward you got, you put on him, even if he's given up eight inches, because you just fight him. But um, uh, you know when you start thinking about where he might fit, I mean, if you let yourself think about Wemby, you know the magic, you know, getting <laughs> Wembenyama, like I mean, you know, you 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 look ahead. I mean, the team that was scary was the Thunder, but the Thunder have played so well. Right. They just snapped the Nuggets um, winning streak the other night in Denver. Um, uh, they're probably out of the mix right now. Probably so. But, um, but, uh, all right. Well, uh, yeah, go check out, uh, Andrew's, uh, coverage of, um, of Isaac's, uh, return is interesting. We'll be keeping an eye on that situation and on the getting healthy Pelicans, but specifically, uh, Brandon Ingram tonight. So, uh, thank you, Andrew. Definitely hopeful. Definitely hopeful for Definitely Brandon hopeful. Ingram tonight. Yeah, Brandon Ingram can throw down a windmill. 
That I definitely am, uh, yes. That I am sure of. He uh, he and Zion can definitely get those done. Uh yes, <laughs> yes he can. All right, thank you to Jackson and Bruce, neither of whom I think can throw down a windmill, but we love them just the same. Thank you, listen, Hoop Collector. We'll be talking to you on Friday with the Tims. Have a good day. Take care. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.